This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio mystery, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Our first story this week comes from This Is Your FBI. We'll hear the fugitive guest, their episode from January 3rd, 1947. After that, it's Nightwatch. And Ma and Pa Hines and Chase, that broadcast is from February 10th, 1955. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This Is Your FBI. B.I. This is your F.B.I., the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Father, what New Year's resolutions have you made this year? Going to cut down on smoking? Going to give more thought to your waistline? All right. But why not make a really important New Year's resolution? One that will mean greater happiness for your family. One that will not only carry through 1947, but for many years to come. Follow the example of so many fathers who start the New Year right by increasing their family's protection with the Equitable Life Assurance Society in January. Resolve now to give your loved ones increased security through life insurance. Then keep that resolution by getting in touch with your Equitable Society representative tomorrow. Tonight's FBI file, The Fugitive Guest. This week sees the United States enter its 171st year of freedom. In those years, the country has faced many bitter struggles for survival, struggles that have included half a dozen wars. In every one of those wars, our freedom was threatened, but the combined efforts of all of our citizens brought us through to victory. Now, in 1947, it will take the combined efforts of every one of us to win another war. The war against crime. The crime wave cost the people of the United States hundreds of millions of dollars in 1946. And the cost will be increased this year unless we all, every one of us, fight the crime wave with as much concentration as if we were fighting a foreign enemy. Tonight's file opens in a small farmhouse located in a remote section of one of our eastern states. It is night. The occupants of this dwelling, Edward Gray and his wife, are sitting in front of an open fire. Edward? Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, dear. Were you sleeping? Uh, I must have dozed off for a second. You want something, Louis? Well, the fire's getting kind of low. It could stand a couple of logs. Oh, oh Sure. Fine, Edward, thank you. <sighs> Listen to that wind. Mm, yes. And look, there at the window. 
snowing pretty hard. Mm-hmm. How about the livestock? Don't worry about them. They're all safe in the barn. <laughs> Good. Edward. Hmm? I, I think I hear someone outside. Listen. Yeah, there is somebody. I'll go look. Put on your coat, Edward. Oh, I won't need it. There's someone on the steps. It's a woman. Here, let me get you inside, lady. Oh, thank you. Edward, what in the world? It's a woman. I found her on the steps. Good heavens, who is she? I don't know. I just had her here on the couch. Well, is she hurt? Did you get a doctor? No doctor. Please. Let me get warm. Let me stay here. That's... All I ask. Well, well, just don't stand there, Edward. Let's, let's make her something hot to drink and put her to bed. In a large city a hundred-odd miles from the isolated farmhouse, Special Agent Jim Taylor in the local FBI field office is just answering a summons from the agent in charge. Come on in, Jim. Thank you, sir. I suppose you're all set for your vacation. Yes, sir. I shove off in about three hours. You're going up near Hendersonville, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. Wonderful hunting up around there. So I've heard. I'm just going to dig into those woods and stay lost for two whole weeks. Jim. Yes, sir? I hate to ask you this. You can turn me down if you want to. But as long as you're going to Hendersonville... Yes, sir? There's some extracurricular hunting you could do on the side. I knew I should have left yesterday. Well, let me give you the story. A female inmate in the county jail near Hendersonville, who was being held on federal charges of violating the National Property Act, escaped about two hours ago. Oh, who is she, sir? Her name is Doris Parker. She was also charged with knifing another woman in a fight over a man. She's evidently quite proficient with a knife. She also used one on a matron to make good her escape. Well, have we anyone on the case now? Yes, Royce Thompson, our resident agent in Henderson. He's working with the local and state police. Well, that's sparsely settled country up there, sir. There's not many roads. If she stays in the car, they shouldn't have too much trouble. Finally. I know. Chances are she'll be picked up before you even get there. But in case there's a hitch, Jim, why don't you drop in on the resident agent before you take that hunting trip? See if you can give him a hand. Much better, thanks. I thought you'd still be sleeping. Well, I got hungry, so I came down here and sort of helped myself to breakfast. Oh. That woman who was so nice to me last night, is she your wife? Well, Louise, yes. Isn't she around? Yes. She's in the front room there. I hope she doesn't mind my puttering around in her kitchen. Well, she'll be glad you did. You see, well... Louise is bedridden. Oh. So you have to more or less help yourself. But she was in here last night. I carried her in. I see. Uh, look, Miss... My name is Ruth. Well, uh, 
Miss Ruth, I've been thinking. Is there anyone you'd like for me to notify? Let them know you're here, all right? I, I, we have no phone here. There's but... no one worried about me. Oh. I suppose you're wondering what I was doing out in the storm last night. Well, yes. I'm a waitress at a hotel in Hendersonville. Got the day off, so I rented a bike. Thought I'd take a look at the country. Uh-huh. Well, I rode too far. Storm came up, and I just got stuck in it. Well, I'll arrange to take you back into Hendersonville sometime today. Must you? What do you mean? I'm really not in any hurry. Be right with you, Louise. Right, Thompson? That's right. I'm Jim Taylor. Well, well, hello there, Jim. Welcome to Hendersonville. Thanks. I heard you were coming down here. Yes, this is the first day of my vacation. I heard about that, too. Want anything turn up on that escape prisoner? Well, she hasn't been found yet, but I think you'll be out hunting real soon. How's that? Well, as you probably know, the Parker woman escaped last night from jail in the matron's car. Yes. The car was last seen on Route 45 heading towards Springdale. I see. This morning, one of the state troopers found evidence that a car had skidded off a small bridge over the Springdale River. On this same Route 45? That's right. The guardrail on the bridge was smashed, and there was a large hole in the ice where the car had evidently broken through. Have you been out there yet? Yes. Couldn't see the car, but I found a license plate on the ice nearby. It's the one we're looking for. And how about the Parker woman? Not a trace of her. You think this was a trick on her part, or is she really down there in the car? Well, we had quite a storm last night. It could be legitimate, but we'll find out soon enough. Oh, how's that? There's a diver going over there this afternoon. Well, that should tell the story. Have you checked into your hotel yet? No, I came out over here to your office. Look, why don't you go over and check in and make arrangements for your hunting trip? I have an idea that you'd be on your way this afternoon. Who's that? Me. Who? Oh. Do you mind having company? No. Got lonesome up there in the house. You'll find it kind of cold out here in the barn. I'm okay. What are you making? I'm just repairing this harrow. Oh. Oh. Hmm? You know something? What? This would be a swell place for a barn dance, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, we've had them here plenty. What, one of them regular old-fashioned ones? Uh-huh. With an old geezer playing a fiddle? Uh, sure. Oh. oh. When Louise was well, there was always something doing around here. Really? Sure. Picnics, sleigh rides, barn dances. Do you like to dance? Love to. I got it. Ed. Huh? How long has your wife been like to you? Over a year now. That's a long time. I suppose it is. I hadn't thought much about her. Does she keep on like this? I'm afraid so. The doctor says she'll never walk again. Pretty tough. She takes it fine. Oh, I don't mean for her. I mean you. How do you figure that? Oh, yeah. I can see what kind of a guy you are. You like to dance, have fun. 
Now you're going to spend the rest of your life playing nursemaid. Well, I don't mind that. Oh, who are you kidding, mister? Look, I... Hey, I wait was... a minute. I really came out here to ask you a question. Seems like a real good time to do it. Well? I don't want to go back to Hendersonville. I'd like to stay here a while. Would you like me to? I... I gotta go do some chores. Back him in, Royce? Sure thing, Jim. Just called your hotel. Well, I've been out all afternoon picking up supplies. Oh, any report from that diver? Yes, he located the car. Oh? It's the one we're looking for, all right. How about the woman? Not a sign of her? I have expected that. Well, the car door next to the driver's seat was open, Jim. She could have made an attempt to get out and been pulled downstream under the ice. Yes, I know. In that case, with the river frozen over, we might not recover the body until spring. Royce, I just have a hunch that she isn't in that river. I think she sent the car off the bridge to take the heat off. That's very possible. Is that a map of this district there on the wall? Yes, yes. I've been using it for this search. Take a look at it, huh? Sure, sure. What are all these pins here represent, Royce? Well, most of them are the uh, roadblocks that were set up right after the escape. Mm -hmm. This is Route 45, and here's the bridge. Royce, how much snow fell out there last night? At least a foot. Some places it drifted pretty heavily. Then if she did abandon the car, she couldn't have gotten very far. No, no, not unless another car picked her up. Has a house-to-house check been made? All along the highway, yes. Anybody live back up there in the hills? Well, I'd say a dozen farmers pretty well scattered. Have they been checked? Not yet, no. Are the roads passable up there? Yes, they were plowed today. Well, Royce, why don't you mark off the exact location of those farmhouses and we'll divide them up. There's still time this evening for us to go call on them. Hello. Hello, Ruth. Finished your chores? Yeah. I waited for you. I sort of hoped you might come back. I went for a walk. I could have gone with you. I wanted to be alone. I wanted to think. What about? You're staying here. Well. Coming, Louise. Excuse me, please. You want something, Louise? Edward, where's that girl? In the other room? Close the door, please. Sure. Something wrong? I think so, yes. What is it? I was just listening to the radio. They were playing music when the announcer interrupted the program for a news bulletin. Yeah? It told about a woman who had escaped from the jail last night. Gave a complete description of her. Right down to the clothes she was wearing. Huh? Edward, that escaped convict is the woman we took in. Ruth? Yes, it can't be. I tell you it is. You've got to notify the police. But Louise... The man on the radio said she's a very dangerous woman. You've got to get word to the police at once. Wait a minute. Where are you going? Get her in here. Ruth. Yes? Could you come here a minute, please? Sure. What do you want? Louise just heard something on the radio about a woman who escaped from the county jail. From the description, she she thinks it's you. Will you please tell her you're a waitress in Hendersonville? Sure. Where are those clothes she wore last night? Uh, upstairs, why? Will you go up and get them, please? What for? The escaped prisoner was wearing a prison dress. 
please go get her coat. Wait a minute. You don't have to. Now, will you get the police? Maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he wants me to say. What? Ask him. Edward. Louise. She stays. From tonight's file, to which we will return in just a moment, we can see that one of the primary jobs of the FBI is to uncover the facts of a case. Armed with these, they can then take the proper measures that will inevitably lead to the solution of their problems. And the same thing is true of fathers. But instead of trying to get at the facts about his family's future, many a father lives in a sort of dream world. He refuses to ask himself this simple question. If I should die... How would my family get through the critical years before our youngest child finished high school? How long would my wife and children continue to be well-fed, well-housed, and well-clothed? If you really love your wife and children, don't shrug your shoulders to that question. Be fair to your family and get an answer based on facts. To help you, the Equitable Life Assurance Society has prepared a special fact-facing chart for fathers that has these three advantages. First, it's simplicity itself. You can fill it out in five minutes flat. Second, you are guided every step of the way by easy-to-understand pictures which illustrate the unavoidable expenses your family will have to meet. Third, when you're finished with this fact-facing chart, you'll have a clear, accurate, and complete picture of just what income your family would need during the critical years. I guess you're right, Mr. Cross. That fact-facing chart is something I've been needing for a long, long time. How do I go about getting one, and how much will it cost? Why, it doesn't cost a cent. The Equitable Society representative in your community will be glad to bring you a copy of this fact-facing chart. Phone him tomorrow, or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Society. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now, back to the FBI file, The Fugitive Guest. It is an established fact that honest citizens cannot mix with criminals any more than oil can mix with water. And for that reason, your FBI wishes to pass on some advice. Advice which, if heeded can save you untold misery. That advice is, do not, under any circumstances, condone the doings of a criminal. And by so condoning, expect that your sympathy will regenerate the criminal into a useful member of society. In dealing with criminals, reality must serve as your foundation. And reality tells you that over 50% of all persons arrested have a previous arrest record. That is not a theory, but a fact. A fact that is proven by the files of your FBI. Tonight's file continues at the farmhouse. Edward Gray is seated in the common room, gazing reflectively into the fireplace. 
The woman who calls herself Ruth entered. Ed. Yes, Ruth? How is she? My wife? Yeah. Is she still sore? She asked me to leave her alone. Well, that means you can be with me. Please, Ruth. Oh, look. Quit worrying, will you? If you don't call the cops, there'll be no trouble. How do you know? Because they think I'm dead. Or at least they will when they find the car. What do you mean? I sent the car I was driving off a bridge. It went through the ice into the river. Oh. When they find it, they'll think I wound up in the river, too. What? Hmm? There's a car stopping outside. What? You better get into the back room. Okay. Hurry up. Just a minute. Yeah? Hello there. You Mr. Gray? That's right. My name is Taylor. I'm a special agent of the FBI. Here are my credentials. Uh-huh. Well, what can I do for you? Well, you may or may not know, sir, that a woman held on federal charges escaped from the county jail over in Hendersonville last night. Uh, I hadn't heard about it. We have good reason to believe that she's still in this vicinity. I see. I have a picture of her here. Take a look at this, please. Sure. Ever seen it? No, sir. I've never seen this woman before in my life. She's a pretty tough customer. I already used a knife on two people. Stabbed That's right. Well. Well, if by any chance she should turn up here, I'd advise you to notify us at once, please. Uh, yes, sir. I certainly will. Thank you. Good night, Mr. Ray. Good night. Ruth. Yes. There's a man from the FBI. I know. I heard him. I seem to think that you're not dead. Yes. What do we do now? Oh, I don't know. Let me think. Edward? Yes, Louise? Stay here. I'll see what you want. What is it, Louise? Who was that who came to see us? Well. Tell me, Edward. It was a man from the FBI. Looking for her? Yes. What did you say to him? Answer me. I told him that she wasn't here. Oh, why did you do that? Can't you see that she's using you, playing up to you just for her own protection? Louise, she's not... I'm not turning her in. That you, Jim? Yes, right. Well, you're just in time for some hot coffee. Wow. Well, where'd you get it? Uh, I picked up a thermos full on the way back. Got any luck? No, no, I didn't pick up a thing. How about you? No, I didn't get any either. Well, that's that, I guess. Oh, thanks. Royce, let me check my list for you, huh? See if I missed anyone? Sure, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Clinton. Yep. Dixon. All right. Franklin. All right. Martin. Yeah. Henderson and Dillon. Yeah. How about Gray? Oh, I wanted to ask you about him. Do you know him, Royce? Yes. Uh, casually. Why? Well, when I showed him the girl's picture, he was quite positive about never having seen her before. I'm always a little suspicious of someone that certain. Ah, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with Gray. He's lived around here for years. I know his wife, too. She's an invalid. You mean she's bedridden? Yes, yes, she has been for over a year. Royce, does anyone else live there with him? No. Are you sure? Yes, why? Come on, we're going back to Gray's farmhouse. <laughs> Thank you.
what you want. Just wanted to talk. About me, I suppose. Yeah. Well, what you say? It's not important, Ruth. I want to know. Well, Louise said I was a fool to be shielding you. You were playing up to me so I wouldn't turn you in. You don't believe that, do you? Ruth, I don't know what to believe. What do you mean? The stuff that FBI man said about you, about you stabbing people, that, that wasn't nice to That hear. was a lie. Louise told me they said that about you on the radio, too. Oh, Lord. She's just trying to make trouble for me. And she's going to keep on that way unless we do something about it. Huh? Yet I've been thinking about us. Now that the cops know that I'm not dead, we can't stay on here. We've got to go away. We? Yes. Ruth, I couldn't leave Louise. Louise? <laughs> She's a helpless cripple. She will be for the rest of her life. She's no use to you, herself, or anybody else. Don't talk that way, Ruth. Well, all of a sudden, you're sticking up for her. She's my wife. Wait a minute. You're not backing out now. Don't forget you're involved in this thing, too. You told that cop I wasn't here. But, Ruth... So you're not only leaving here with me. I'm making sure before we do that she isn't going to talk. What do you mean? I'll show you what I mean. Where are you going? In to see your wife. You come back here. All right. What? Stay where you are. Both. Are you... The man from the FBI. That's right. Why did you come back? How did you know I was here? You told me yourself. What? You see, after my first visit, I learned that Mr. Gray's wife was bedridden. That made me very curious. What do you mean? I had to find out who was pacing up and down in the next room while I was at the door. Oh. Thanks for the tip-off. For her guilt in violating the Federal Escape Act and the National Stolen Property Act, Doris Parker was sentenced to ten years in a federal penitentiary. Edward Gray was sentenced to two years in a federal penitentiary for harboring a federal prisoner. Though another file was closed by your FBI, closed because of superior skill in the art of detection. The possession of such talent by a special agent is not a fortunate accident, but the studied result of long, hard labors. Labors which every agent undergoes as part of his training. Nothing in the training of a special agent is left to chance. Because that is not the way your FBI works. Your FBI works to eliminate chance and to substitute certainty. And that policy has paid a dividend called protection. A dividend being collected every day by the people of our country. just a moment, we will tell you about next week's exciting case from the files of your FBI. When the breadwinner of a family dies, what are the critical years for his wife and children? The critical years are the years before the youngest child finishes high school. Years in which the home must be kept together. To help you estimate just what income your family would need during those critical years, the Equitable Life Assurance Society has prepared a special fact-facing chart for fathers. Your Equitable Society representative will be glad to bring you a copy of this fact-facing chart. Phone him tomorrow or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States.
Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, The Souvenir Gun. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. Your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI, is a Jerry Devine production. This is Milton Cross speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, The Souvenir Gun, on This Is Your FBI. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Four seven, take this call in the vicinity of four nine one three Dover. That's four nine one three Dover. Investigate the unknown trouble. Code two. Five six to one in service. Starting mileage ten thousand six thirty eight. One zero six three eight. Five six ten four mileage ten thousand six thirty eight. Detective unit five six in service on the night watch. This is Don Reed. Police recorder. You're riding in a detective unit. Black sedan. Radio buried in the glove compartment. No identification of the police car. Driving, Sergeant Ron Perkins. Partner, Sergeant Kurt Walter. All of us dressed in civilian clothes, sports suits, overcoats. This is Detective Unit 5-6. So while you're with it... Did you read 4-7's call on unknown trouble? 5-6, Roger. 5-6, follow up on this investigation. 5-6, Roger. 4913, Dover, right? 5-6, 10-4. We'll um, follow up the radio car on unknown trouble. But as I was saying, while you're with us tonight, remember, the people you meet are not actors. You're listening just as it happens. Because this is it. This is real. This is Nightwatch. Nightwatch. The actual on-the-scene report of your police force in action. Every voice, every sound is authentic. Wherever Detective Unit 5-6 is called, you follow as the official police recorder transcribes the investigation. Nightwatch is presented with the cooperation of the Police Department of Culver City, California, W.N. Hildebrand, Chief. We transfer you now to Detective Unit 5-6, operating somewhere in the field on an unknown trouble call, and to police recorder Don Reed. Unknown trouble call. Well, you want to take the rear? Um, keep our eyes open. Can be anything. Can be nothing. Most of the houses dark. Few lights. Two uniformed officers taking off from the rear. Check the building out. Flashlights disappearing in the dark. There's a man stepping out of the shadows. 
Sergeant Perkins going over. I'm the man that put in the call. Uh, heard a scream and sound like a body falling. What about? Uh, in that little house uh, there in the rear. Okay, you wait here. We'll check it out. Apparently, disturbance originated in a small house in the rear of the lot. There's a thick growth of trees in front, making our way along the path. Flashlights darting about. Well, nothing yet. Here it is, tiny house. One, two, two rooms. Light on. Uniformed officer is coming up. Bill Hebrard and his partner. Bill, see if you can hear anything. There's some kind of beef in there. Let's go. Up on the porch. Elderly man, it's green. Blood on white shirt. Elderly woman, about 80. Long flannel nightgown. If you don't take me to jail, I'm ready to go. Or anywhere else. He does that all the time. Well, this has got to stop. We can't have any, uh... You don't know that music that I do take. I go along up there, I see his cars, and I call them old dirt on him. Yeah, you see, it's me and say it works all day. And then if I say anything, oh, he just calls me every night and glad something. I don't say a word on dirt. He just told me about nothing. I have to lie. What happened to blood there? What did you get to I hate it. Oh, I never heard Bring your head around. Oh, oh I just can't. All right, now I'll tell you what. I want you to go to bed. I want you to go to bed. Don't want any more noise. We don't want any more calls. Well, the neighbors have complained. If we have any more calls down here, we'll have to take somebody to jail. Well, you go you're going to tell him to come home like a gentleman and I'm treat me right. I'm telling you calls right now. I'm not going to enter into your... Treat me right. I'm not going to enter into your private affairs, your domestic troubles at all. But we're interested in keeping the peace and quiet well, down here. That. That's what I want. These officers well, get another call. Like that. These officers get another call down here. We just take you all into jail. That's all right. Yeah, I'm going to go to bed. And you're in two different rooms. You can't argue. Well, when they come home, they have them lights for me. Listen, listen, listen. Just listen to me a minute. We want to keep it quiet here. There's people in this neighborhood that last week. That's right. I do too. Now, if we get another call out here, we're going to take you both down to county jail. I don't care. If you take me. Oh, I don't care what you either. Take me right now. You want to? You want to be booked? <laughs> you want to go to jail? No, oh, I want you to go to jail. All right, and go to bed and go to sleep. Do your friends know about it? Where are you going to sleep? Where are you going to sleep? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to sleep? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's matter. Mm-hmm. Get out of my How long have you been married, sir? How long have you been married, sir? Well, I'm glad to go. 50 years. Like, 50 years you've been married? I think okay. so. Yeah, I think they're probably a little different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go in there and go to sleep. I'll wait. Okay, okay. Good night. You better stay. I'll stop back in here and call me more than my husband. Husband, heading for bedroom. That should quiet things down. Temporarily. Okay. Good night. Hey, you know something, fellas? They've been married 50 years. 50 years? 50 years. <laughs> well, let's see what you're getting into. Good night. Shut the door. Go to bed. Good night. You're just going one way. We're here and there. We might have some blonde in the morning. 
If you get the impression that man may be in Mexico. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know why he's married or not, no. <laughs> well, I'll give you a rough idea what it's like after 50 years. After 50 years, I think they deserve to have a fight. Oh, yeah. Control one to all units. Be on the lookout for a light blue sedan. Make unknown. Contains one occupant. Partial license number 4Baker290. This car wanted by LAPD for armed robbery. KM894. Yeah, sure, Jim. Come on in. Yeah, we'll be glad to. Oh, Ross picked up a couple of 14-year-old boys carrying some liquor. Wants us to talk to him. Hmm. Evidently, this was the reason we were asked to return to the station. In plain clothes. Two jars under his arms. Jim Ross, juvenile officer. While en route to the station, we saw two others walking down the street with carrying what could be possible saps. Uh, we stopped and asked them a few questions and, and see that they were carrying two jars of preserves. So to make sure that they were telling us the truth, we opened the jars and, and it apparently is uh, alcohol or some type of whiskey. So we decided to bring them on in and find out where they got it and what they were going to do with it. Have you smelled this? Yes, we checked it. <coughs> hundred proof. More than hundred proof. Um, you want to talk to the... Uh, First boy in office. Butch haircut. High field boots. Air Force jacket. Eyes glancing from officer to liquor to officer. Sickly smile. What are those bottles? There's all sorts of stuff in there. What? Hag and Hag, early times, uh, sweet vermouth. Let's see, some uh, gin and some flavoring. Some stuff that's in a light blue bottle that's for putting in uh, um, Manhattan's or something like that. What are you going to do with it? We're going to get a little high, you know, and have a good time. Just the two of you? Mm hmm. How often does this go on? Oh, well, well, every month, I guess, something like that. Not too much. We don't carry it to success, you know. How old are you? Fourteen. How old are you, buddy? Fourteen or fifteen, huh? Where did you get the whiskey? In his house. Can you have a bottle of his fight? Mm -hmm. His folks know about it? His mother left uh, before before we got in the bottle. No, no she doesn't. What are your folks going to say? Well, I don't know. I told my old man, you know, we get around quite a bit together, you know. You got no business. With that in your possession, you got no business drinking it. If your folks don't see that you refrain from drinking it, I will. You in trouble before? Yes, sir. Before? Sitting in the car. What else? That's all. Doesn't kill you. 
<coughs> Have you tasted that? Mm-hmm. You like it? It's all right, except for the sweet vermouth. You don't like that? I like it when when it's not involved with whiskey. It doesn't taste it takes it taste out of whiskey. When you're fourteen? Mm-hmm. How do you know when to stop drinking it? Oh, when we start laughing around, you know. That's about as far as we go. You get pretty drunk or no no, not to excess where you wake up with a hangover. I think if you drank that you'd have quite a hangover. So much for the first one. Into the office. Second boy. Concoction mixed in his house. Hair over eyes. Adolescent complexion. How old are you? Fourteen. Oh, you don't that stuff. Drink it. Wine. Kid drunk. Wine. For the fun of it. Your folks know about it? No, sir. Where did you get the stuff? In my house. You ever been in trouble? Yes, sir. Not for For hit and run in your car and robbery. Robbery? Mm-hmm. What kind of robbery? Taking money out of lockers at beach club. Near how old? Fourteen. Folks aren't home, huh? My mom is in here. Dad home? I don't have one. Okay. Put this stuff in your pocket and wait outside. Right? Oh, I tell you, good soul for trouble. Just as, just as, as blase as you pick them up for chewing gum. Fourteen years old. That amount there can make about five of them drunk. That amount can make me drunk for a week. Did you smell that stuff? Wine, gin, whiskey, and vermouth. I don't understand it. First kid just, uh, so we caught him. So what? Not much else we can do but book them and call their parents. Good enough. You are listening to Night Watch and following the activities of Detective Unit 5-6 on its tour of duty. Remember, the people and sounds you are hearing are real, and the investigations are recorded in the field as they actually occur. And now it's back to Night Watch, as we return you to headquarters where an investigation is underway, and your official police recorder, Don Reed. Juvenile officers spend an hour on the phone attempting to locate parents of boys. First boy will have to stay with us overnight. Parents out of town. Located mother of second boy. On her way in the office now. Son behind her. Sheepish grin. Uh, did your boy tell you what happened on this? Well, I think I got it. What do you think happened? 
Well, they got in my liquor supply and poured a little bit out of each one and, and put it in a, in a bottle and were taking it over to this dance, apparently. Like, like, like good Hagen Hague Scotch. <laughs> Maybe you're not aware that uh, apparently this happens quite often. And oh, right. Well, <clears throat> actually, uh, the boy didn't commit any crime. He was just possession of an alcoholic. Well, well I, I know. I mean, it was a very silly thing to do, I think. And uh, we do have a law against that. Mm -hmm. I, I think it might be better if you'd lock up your liquor. Well, store. I was going to say, it looks like, I mean, it's a crime, but a shame to have to not be able to trust your own boy, but it looks like I'm going to have to put a padlock on the thing. Uh, we're not going to take any further action on this, uh, except uh, we'll put him on a th six months voluntary probation. Uh, and uh, with the uh, idea that he will not do any drinking or be in possession of alcohol. And if he's picked up again, we'll refer back to this and we'll take legal action by filing a petition with the juvenile court. Do you think that you'll be in here again for the same thing? No, sir. Well, let's hope he isn't in here for anything again. I mean, that's what I'd like to teach. Well, drinking in juveniles is a major problem in the United States, especially on the West Coast. And uh, it causes a great deal of trouble. It, it, it just <laughs> what do you do with kids in the teens? Shoot them until they're 21 and then dig them back up again or something? But I'm getting so I'm ashamed to walk by a police station anymore. You wonder what what you are supposed to do. You try, and you try to do the right thing, and, and yet it doesn't really make that much difference. <clears throat> well, any time that you feel that uh, you can't handle him or he doesn't mind, if you'll just give us a call, we'll be glad to come down and try to... Well, it isn't that. I mean, when I tell him, no, he can't do something, that's all right. But, geez, I mean, the minute I let him out again, why, if he starts getting into difficulties, why... We don't want to see him in trouble. We're not trying to prosecute you. But uh, you're through as far as you're drinking. You're 14 years old. You're through. That's it. Okay. Thank you for coming in. Okay, thank you. Johnny, uh, you can release the second boy. Mother's on her way out. Right. Ready to go down? Yeah. You think his mother had a headache? I wonder what would happen to him if he'd have drank that stuff. Kurt, let's check this car out. It doesn't look like it belongs here. I want to Here, Kurt. See if you can read that registration. I'll check out the back. Oh, hey, that's a blue sedan, too. Yeah, let's get him. Okay. Taking off in pursuit. Dark sedan. Disappearing around the bend just to see the taillights. Are some of the description used in hold-up tonight in downtown Los Angeles. Got in our siren. Walter using the hand spotlight with a red lens. 
traffic, pulling over to the right. Gaining on the suspect's car. He's in the middle lane and really rolling. Close the range to about 300 yards. Red light pouring in through his rear window. Suspect cut his lights, flipping off in the side street. Running in the dark now. Making a sharp turn into a driveway. We're uh, bouncing in behind. Guns out. Just one occupant. Perkins getting him out. Water covering from the right. Suspect out. Hands up. Shaking down the suspect. Walter searching. Perkins holding a gun on him. Checking the license number of the car. It isn't the one wanted by L.A. for 211. Hold up. Elderly woman. Out of back door. Bathrobe. Curlers. Okay, put your hands down. Get your driver's license. Suspect in glare of headlights. About 19. Appears sober. No sign of alcohol. Confused. Eyes glazed. Not sure we're getting through to him. Chasing him, keeping him. He's my son. We're not interested whether he's your son or not right now. We're interested in he tried to get away from a police car. Oh. Uh, What'd you turn your lights off for? I turned and I came home. Did you hear our siren? I heard your siren when they hit me in the mouth. I said I didn't have no jurisdiction. You know what you're required to pull over and stop as soon as you hear a siren? I pulled over to to the right. They hit me in the mouth and they said that. You turned your lights off about a block and a half back. Why did you do that? I pulled over to the right. You turned your lights off as you come up the street. Yes, you understand. Some guy was going to... I understand, but why did you turn out your lights? Somebody was going to hit me with a bomb. Hit me in the mouth. He was trying to kill me. But you knew this was a police unit, didn't you? Sergeant Perkins talking with the mother. Let's move over there. We don't send men, see. He never do no wrong to nobody. He never do no wrong, but he's thinking he's dead. No, but when he, he, uh, when, he tries to, when he tries to outrun that he siren on the red light. Oh, there's a he red light on the he car. There's a siren on it. He kept on going, he'd have been shot at. Yeah. He'll have no guns. If he hadn't come in here, if he hadn't come in here, if he'd gone straight up and turned on Venice, we'd have fired on him. Well, he's not a thief. He's far as we were concerned, he was, he was hot. Well, he's not a thief. He's yeah, not a thief. We chased him for a mile, trying to stop him. What do we have to do to stop the man? I don't know what else we can do to identify ourselves but turn a red light on and, and put a siren. Put your batais next. Put your batais. You'll have to kill a man for nothing. Have you ever tried to hit a target at 60 miles an hour? You don't know whether you hit the tire, whether you hit the person or the car. There's mother's advice. Shoot the tires next time he tries to run away. Back to the suspect. Confused expression still there. You were, you were going the wrong direction for the police department. I was going to the police department. You were coming away from the police department. You heard the siren, didn't you? I, he threw a bottle at me. I had to get away from there. He kept throwing a bottle at me. Mother says he's got mentally unbalanced. You know what it is? He's too big, I tell you. There's two over there. There's two over there. Clean across the head. I don't see no marks on there. No, there's a big scar all the way across. It bust me over the head with an iron. There's no lump on there, sir. There is there. No, there ain't. There is there. Just stay right there. Suspect cleans head wound. Invisible. <coughs> Perkins, Walter, off to one side. 
he is he's mentally off a little bit as a result of the war, and he has his, his asthma. And um, I think probably in the best interest to just release him to them. I think that would be the best deal under those circumstances. Kids here at the house, and the uh, mother and the sister both promised they'd take care of him, see that he wouldn't drive a car again. Well, he's darn lucky we didn't shoot him. I know. I was thinking get worried from that. That's his father right there too, saying release him to him. Okay. Okay. We'll make sure they understand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll get you this back then. Bye. Move back onto the father and son now. Here's your driver's license, sir. Put it back in your pocket. We're going to give you a break on this thing because of the trouble you had down there at the bar. And we want to be sure that you understand. Don't you ever do that again. When you turn your lights off, when a police car is chasing you, you're just asking for trouble. Uh, sir, uh, could you do me a favor to go back and see? All right, we'll drive by there, and if we can find any, any trouble there, we'll take care of it. Yes, sir. But in the future, don't you try to run from a police car. All right. And be sure you don't cause any more trouble. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, okay. I think we'd better back out a little slower than when we came in here. All clear over here. Well, I saw a lot of guys come out of the war like that. Yeah, me too. What you have just heard is real. Recorded as it actually happened on The Night Watch. We switch you now to headquarters in the office of the Chief of Police, W.N. Hildebrand. Tonight's first investigation amounted to separating an elderly couple having a quarrel. However, I want to point out that when answering an unknown trouble call, the officers must be extremely alert and on the lookout for anything. The second case of the boys carrying liquor resulted in both subjects being given six months probation by our juvenile bureau. This case will be filed away with hundreds of other routine investigations, but it is important in the fight against juvenile crime to stop a situation before it gets out of hand. And now the final investigation where Detective Unit 5-6 was in pursuit of a suspect's car which failed to stop on warning of red light and siren. As you heard, the subject was released to his parents. I realize there are people who might question this decision, but we should remember police work must be mixed with human tolerance. This boy faced a difficult mental problem sustained in the service of his country. Society would have gained little by his arrest. The important thing was he was ordered not to drive and he was to receive immediate treatments. His parents assumed this responsibility. Incidentally, the officers checked the cafe where the subject claimed he was slugged. They found the whole incident to be a product of his imagination. Tonight, you have followed Detective Unit 5-6 through a few of the problems encountered by your law enforcement officers. To give you a better understanding and insight is the reason for Night Watch. Thank you, Chief Hildebrand. You have been following Detective Unit 5-6 on its tour of duty on The Night Watch. Every voice, every sound has been real. 
Night Watch is brought to you with the cooperation of the Police Department of Culver City, California, with technical advice by Sergeant Ron Perkins, and is described in the field by the official police recorder, Don Reed. Night Watch is produced by Sterling Tracy and Jim Hadlock. That's case closed for this week. There's more from This Is Your FBI Night Watch. This podcast, all of the other Relic Radio podcasts, and our Shoutcast stream, all at relicradio.com. Lots of old-time radio to listen to there. All for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. That is how all of this is made possible. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. We'll be back next Wednesday with another hour of mystery on our next episode of Case Closed. Case Closed.